This is message, M054, The Overshadowing. A word given by Cecil J. Ducille, 27th of April, 1973. In the realm of the knowledge of the Son of God, glory be to God's name forever and forever. So I urge you to invite your friends, only one more night, for the moment to sit. Mercy, just a word to the young folks here, to our boys and girls. I would like for you to remain seated, especially during the giving forth of the word. Let no one move out of your seat. I want you to pay strict attention because we want to reverence the word of God. You don't need a drink of water every five minutes to have to go in and out. You can wait till you get home or till after the third. We want to honor and respect the majesty of the presence of God in the sanctuary as we are gathered not before man, we are gathered before God. And our children should be taught to reverence the presence of the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. Thank you. At this time, it's my joy and pleasure and blessing to present to you the man that God has sent in our midst of blessings, Brother Ducille. Thank God again for such a precious time together. It's wonderful to gather together with the people of God and to feel the moving of the Spirit. What a disappointment it is when we come and we don't feel the moving of the Spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. Bless God Almighty. We thank God for His presence here as one of our brothers as the indwelling one and as the soon coming king bless god <laughs> we've got him we have him here as a brother sitting in the benches with us we have him here as a spirit dwelling within us so that it's not a matter of just coming to church and being righteous when we are at church but we have him dwelling with us Every corner in which we are, he's there. And we have got to keep straight whether the church is going to find out or not. Amen. We have passed from that old order wherein they had watchmen watching you whether you were righteous or not and they would take you out of your church position if, if they caught you in anything wrong. We have something greater in us. So a watchman is inside of us. Feeling every thought that we think, hearing every word that is unspoken within our souls, and knowing us, glory to God, tonight the Lord wants us to speak on the overshadowing. And I don't know how we are going to get through it, but at least we can start. Praise the Lord. The overshadowing. Hallelujah. I want to show you back into Joshua where this thing actually began. Turn to Joshua. And the Lord began to deal with the children of Israel 
under Moses and the first overshadowing was under Moses there was a change in God's operation when Joshua took over we turn our Bibles um, further back let's go back away back to uh, the let's take numbers 12 numbers 12 i'm just wanting a spot to begin at i could begin at the beginning at exodus but we let's take numbers 12 and we see here from verse um God speaking about Moses to Miriam and the rest of people who are rebelling against him and God says verse 6 hear now my words if there be a prophet among you I the Lord will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream my servant Moses is not so who is faithful in all my house with him will I speak mouth to mouth even apparently not in dark speeches and the similitude of the Lord shall he behold wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses um, verse 10 says and the cloud the cloud departed from off the tabernacle and behold Miriam and behold Miriam became leprous white as snow and Aaron looked upon Miriam and behold she was leprous God was present with them now if you look back at the chapter 11 um, there was rebellion in Israel and God said on verse 25 and the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him and took of the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the seventy elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. Um, you notice that when God comes down upon people, they speak something. Everywhere in the scriptures, when God comes down upon people, they give utterance. Uh, I'm just touching this to show you somebody doesn't believe in speaking in tongues. Um, and somebody says that the tongues is not um, necessary. Well, I've never known of anybody who was filled with the Spirit who didn't speak in tongues. I'm not saying that in order to be filled with the Spirit, you must speak in tongues. But I'm saying that when you are filled with the Spirit, you do speak. Yes. Amen. And sometimes you speak in English. <laughs> I had an amusing um, uh, word from a sister who went to Africa. And she said, when the African got filled with the Spirit, with the Spirit, they began to speak in English. <laughs> when the Africans got filled with the Spirit, they began to speak in English. And they didn't know what they were saying. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, glory to God, praise his holy name. 
and they didn't know English and the pastors had to be telling them which one is failed from which one came from the backwoods that didn't know English from which one knew English and she said it was so amusing and when she got in the spirit she started to speak in African Amen. you know I remember hallelujah when God came down on the rebellionists and the Tower of Babel that they began to speak in many other languages and that's the first time languages came in there was one language and man did not learn languages language was a gift that came boom he began to speak now now you get that one Adam didn't learn a language God breathed into Adam and Adam get up and talked. That's what we understand. Adam talked after God breathed into him life. He became a living soul and then he began to talk and to name the animals and so on. Adam didn't learn a language. Neither did your forefathers at the Tower of Babel learn a language. Amen. They just began to talk their language. Blessed be to God Almighty, in this hour, God isn't going to um, allow us to have a problem of communication. Amen. God is going to speak to people and people will understand. Amen. Um, Exodus 33, verse 2. And I will send an angel before thee. And I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, Jebusites. Praise God. Verse 14. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Praise God. Before the children of Israel, there was a pillar of cloud over them there was a canopy of cloud you know what I always thought I'm a person who thinks about my Bible do you think about your Bible or you only think when you get to church you must think about your Bible during the days when you're working I mean if you have your hand in a machine don't think at that time but if you are doing a job that you can think, you, you think about your Bible. In many times I am thinking about my Bible. I say, suppose one of those animals strayed from the flock. Suppose an animal strayed from the flock, or a man was left behind. Would that cloud remain over the man? I believe a little piece of cloud would always be over him. You know why? He would die. He would die. The sun would strike him in the desert. Have you, any of you been out in the desert? It's no joke. The Sahara Desert is no joke. That, that desert there, they, they were in, in, in Africa and in Egypt, in Egypt and in Israel. That, that's no joke. It's a terrible desert. The sun would strike them. But I believe God was a complete covering for them, a canopy. He covered them from the sun and then he covered them. At night he gave them electric light. 
How would you like to see a big pillar of light flooding miles of desert floor while three million people camped in tents out there? That's what the Bible shows. God was a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And there was a cloud that went before them so they knew where to go. Brethren, God, some of us have trouble in believing God to heal our body. But you know God healed their shoes? Can you imagine the bottom of your shoes being healed so that as it rubbed it grew? You're growing so long to your shoes. People walked through the desert for 40 years and their shoes never wore off. Healed their clothes so that their clothes never wore off. Renovated it on their backs. Can you imagine that? God renovate your clothes while it's on your back. You wear it and you make it clean. If you read Meltari's book, What Happening in the Nation, you'll find that God did the same thing for them down there. Yeah. What's the name of the book? Like a Mighty Wind. God did the same thing for them down there, like a mighty wind. You go to any of the bookstores in town, you'll get it. Right now, in our time, this is our God. Praise God. Let's turn our Bibles to Psalm 91. And I want all of you to read it along with me. If you don't have a Bible, hitch on to one somewhere. Hitch on to that Bible, sister. And let's all read together Uh, it's just 15 verses. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, from now is some pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. 
they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample on the feet, because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. Will I satisfy him and show him my salvation? Praise God. Now, here are promises of God to us. We need these promises now. Because we are, I believe, in the tribulation time and we are entering into a very dark period in the history of the world. Because of this, we must know where our strength lies. Some preachers are saying at this time that your deliverance and your city of refuge is in the wilderness. Some are saying your city of refuge is in joining their organization. Some are saying your city of refuge lies in what you believe in your heart and in your mind. Pardon me. Some people are saying that your city of refuge lies in how you are baptized. And every form and every shade of deception and error, falsehood and innocent, <laughs> people who are innocent of righteousness, preaching, every form is being preached at this time and you must know where your safety lies. Hallelujah. Now it is the first verse tells us, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Amen. Now the, the point is, where is this secret place that I might find it? That I might abide under this shadow and be protected for this is the basic promise of God a promise of God is a covering verse 4 he shall cover thee with his feathers now when did God get feathers why is it that this thing says God has feathers is there some secret Amen. Come on, be with me now. Is there some secret in the very language of this psalm that would give me an idea of the safety, the place of safety in God? Amen. Yes, God has fed us. Yes, the representation 
of this deliverance is in the tabernacle. There is a piece in the tabernacle which is drawn in the shape of wings with feathers. Maybe I'm putting the feathers on the wrong side. There is a piece looking like this. Two angels standing there. Feet standing on the ark. Amen. And this is what God is talking about. There is a divine overshadowing in your life which God is calling his people to. In every crisis, there is a divine overshadowing for you. I was reading a horrible little book called Hiroshima. I don't know if any of you have ever seen that book. This book was written by a Christian missionary who was right inside of Hiroshima when the Americans dropped the atomic bomb. And he was one of the few people who was never even scratched. He got up early in the morning to do some visiting. And as he was out visiting, he said there was a flash. And they thought, at least he didn't know what to think. He, he knew that he just fell behind a big rock. He was walking along there was this flash and he just dived behind the rock and he wasn't touched everything passed over him the houses and everything swept past him and no radiation nothing touched him and he was down there rescuing people he said when he went down he saw some women in a pit trying to get out, they were in the pit cooling themselves because their skin had been so badly burned. And one of the women stretched her hand up to him and he was in a boat, went there to save them and as he held her by her hand, he came up with her skin. The woman just sank back in there. The horror of an atomic war, nobody ever told us about it. We talk about it, we think about it. Today, the nations of the world have more horror in their arsenals than our minds really ever thought about. The American people don't want to think about it. The government don't want to tell you because people would go just crazy. Many parts failing them for fear. But we need have no fear. For this promise of God covers us. And no matter how you hear me preach about tribulation, about destruction, as you may hear some preachers preach about 
terrible destruction on the streets of the United States of America. They see this envision and the great time is at hand when the whole world is going down into a great travail. And as the Bible said, Zion travail and she brought forth. This is going to be a travail when the church will travail again and she will bring forth the real glory, hallelujah, that God has provided for us from time immemorial, hallelujah. Deep in the heart of God, God wants to see a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or blemish. Standing as the great Son of God. God wants to have a son in the earth that is just like himself. Holy, perfect, righteous. Now, this is the promise God has given you. And you remember when Jesus spoke about it. He said, there will be fearful sights. He said, nation shall rise against nation. Surely, brethren, surely we have seen nation rise against nation. Surely there have been great distresses. But I have a peculiar feeling that we have not seen the end of it. I have a feeling that the arsenals of the world that is packed with all this destructive force, it's going to be unleashed on the earth. And I'm going to tell you why I have the feeling. I'm going to read those scriptures for you if you'll just stay with me. Amen. If you feel that you're going to get Sleepy, you just cry out and say, praise the Lord, and I will understand. Amen. That will wake you up. If you feel sleepy, you say, praise the Lord. All of us will join you. Amen. Because we're going to drive back sleep tonight. You know, if you were at a show, you wouldn't leave, you wouldn't quit until that show was over. Amen. And so you're at a show tonight. God is showing you something. Amen. Amen. That's the show you're at. God is showing you something. Now, there is a covering. Man has been preaching, I've heard a pre recent preaching, that the ministry is the covering of the church. That is a lie. Forgive me being so strong, but I want to be strong at this time. The ministry need a covering for themselves. Amen. The ministry is not the man-child. The ministry is not the husband of the church. The husband is the covering for the wife. Did you hear me? The husband is the covering for the wife. Amen. Jesus Christ is the husband of the church. He is the covering. And the only covering that is going to cover us when trouble hits. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 I don't want to carry that thought further because, <laughs> amen, it, it, it could go too far. Now, therefore, God said his feathers are going to cover us. And this is something I want you to get, brethren. You notice how I'm playing around with it? <laughs> I want you to get it. What I'm going to say next is going to be something that you must get. If you don't get any more of this message, this is what you must get. 
that their discovering represents the sixth work in the tabernacle the sixth piece of furniture it is the next to the seventh and this is the place that we must reach before we are completely safe in God are you with me now look brethren this was in our Bibles all the while Moses reached to a point where Pharaoh couldn't touch him Jesus Christ reached to the point where when Herod was seeking his life, he said, go tell that fox. I say, I'll walk today and tomorrow. Yeah. Next day, and Jesus deliberately said, no man take my life from me. Right. Hallelujah. Right. He said, I lay down. Do you know what I'm saying, brother? I'm saying that you can reach the point, brother, that man can't touch you. A man will face you with a gun and pull that trigger and nothing happens. I say that this is the point in the tabernacle that God is talking about. That God wants men to climb up to the point where we reach where man cannot touch you. Go around by your hand. I'm talking to you like this because I don't only believe it, but I have seen it with my own eyes. One night we were in a meeting and we heard that they were going to beat us that night and drive us out of the town. But we were in the spirit and we were shouting and praising God and, and the men who organized the attack against us got a boy who could throw a stone very straight and he came before one of the sisters picked up a big rock like this aim it at her head and bang he went for her her eyes were closed and she was in the spirit and she said amen <laughs> the rock went over her head through the meeting across the street the police the district constable was standing in the shop looking at the meeting and the rock went right into his mouth and smashed all his teeth well we didn't do anything we didn't go to court we didn't give any evidence the evidence was right there they went to prison and nobody touched us after that. Amen. That was just a small case. I have seen God work in the supernatural. And God taught me a lesson one day that made me afraid of natural things up to this point. I was on the floor of my room praying one day and I felt my head knocking on something my eyes were closed and I was in the spirit speaking in tongues and my head was knocking on something and I wondered what my head could be knocking on boom boom while I'm on the floor and the worst part of it I think it was that front of my head knocking on something and I couldn't imagine 
and gradually it brought me out of the prayer and I opened my eyes and where you think my head was? In the ceiling, knocking on the ceiling of my room. And I tried to look around and try to straighten myself up and I was weightless in the room. I wasn't dreaming, I was weightless couldn't come down from out of the ceiling. I never heard of it before. I never seen it before. I was so frightened that I presently was back on the floor. <laughs> but I was afraid to talk. For years, nobody ever heard that story. Until I came in touch with a book written by Sister Grubb, who was in the spirit and she died and she was taken away and the Lord sent her back she came back in her body and for two weeks she couldn't touch the floor she was floating all over and people crowds went in to see her and it gave me a little heart and so I was able to talk it why am I saying that I am saying that God is able to take us out of our natural, carnal, physical operation into a spiritual realm where natural things can't affect us anymore. Amen. Hallelujah. I was going to bed one night. Great battle was on. A sorcerer came and he said he's going to kill me. He called the whole town and he said he was going to kill me. If you go to Jamaica and a sorcerer tells you he's going to kill you, take it serious because they don't play around. And I laughed at him. I forgot it. But the night when I went home, God called me and showed me what he was doing and reminded me that he said he was going to kill me. I said, God, you hold my life. The business is your business, it's not mine. If you want me dead, amen. If you want me alive, amen, I'm going on. Amen. I forgot it again. Another night I reached home, tired, all on my pajama, put one foot up on the bed, and I was looking clean through the concrete wall. God had lifted me up into a realm wherein I could combat the attack that was to come within five minutes. I was seen through the wall and I said, well, if I am seen with my natural eyes through the wall so that I can check on the water bucket outside and I can check on the various items outside, then it means that something is about to happen. God is showing me, putting me in a position to fight some battle. I didn't wait long. 
before a man about nine feet tall stalked into the yard, jumped through that, that wall and knocked me clean over on the bed. Before I could open my mouth to say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, boom, he came through, knocked me clean off, down on that bed. Needless to tell you, Jesus came down to me and said, don't struggle. He said, it's not a natural battle, it's a spiritual battle. I gave up my neck to the man and he started doing his thing. He started squeezing the life out of me and I just praised God. The blood of Jesus Christ quickened me off that bed that night and I jumped and shouted, Jesus! And that power threw him clean off. Hallelujah! The battle was over, although it went on for some time after, but we had the victory. The sorcerer dropped dead when the spirit was rebuked. Well, I tell you all that so that I don't give you half of a story. But the main thing I want to tell you is that God can, this moment, lift you out of your natural state into a spiritual state wherein you can withstand the devil himself standing before you. Have no fear of what God will do. Don't think about how many sins you have committed in your life. Don't think about how weak you are. Think about how strong God is. Glory to his holy name. Think about the promise of God. I have a peculiar feeling that somebody here is going to need this before long. And I want you to remember what I'm talking about. God is spirit. God is supernatural. God can do for you what you can't do for yourself. Don't think by any merits of your own you are going to climb up into this realm. But if you believe God, He's going to take you there when you need it. Praise God. Now, let's go on a little further. Under his feathers, his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. And he said, fear not. Thou shalt not be afraid of what? Tell me the first thing you mustn't be afraid of. The terror by night. The terror by night. There is going to be terror, there has been terror, and you know that there is terror coming. God said, when you see terror, by night, not only the natural night, but the spiritual night, don't be afraid. Do you know that night is coming down on the world? Do you believe that night is coming down on your country, brethren? Let me tell you something. You have never yet seen this country considering to legalize the United States. 
One man murdered 25. Somewhere near here. As a matter of fact, it is believed he murdered more. But they found 25. They have three men up now for multi-murders. Three of them one time they have up there for multi-murders. And it seems as if the spirit of the murderer is multiplied in our midst. We find that the time is going to come when it will be nothing for anybody to shoot at a Christian or to shoot you down. God is saying that he will give us power against bullets, power against missiles, power against arrows, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness. Give us power against demon spirits. Amen. Anybody goes around preaching to you that all of us have demons rejected. Did you know that there is a charismatic preaching movement preaching in our time? Now the charismatic movement is doing a lot of good. <laughs> but I'm talking about the, the faults that you must get away from. Yes. Preaching that everybody have demons. You have your little demons and I have my little demons. So, I'm going to cast out all of them and you just have to spit and cough and get those demons out. It's not true. Many of the times when you believe you have a demon, you get one. Amen. You are not supposed to have any demons. You understand? I don't say some of you don't have. <laughs> but I'm saying you're not supposed to have it. And God Almighty shows a very easy way of casting out demons. It's turn on the light. Turn on the light and every demon will go. Demons can only dwell in darkness. Don't make much ado over it. Don't go out having a casting out session every day. Going out chasing demons, having a, a demon business. You are advertising demons. Amen. You cast that devil out by bringing in the light of God. And when the light of God's word comes in, every devil goes. Yes. Casting out of a demon is mostly for a person who can't help himself. When you cast demons out of some people, you are agreeing with the demon that the person has a demon. For demons will tell people that they have demons when they don't have them, but they want them, so they tell them that they have them, and when they believe it, they get them. I wonder if you understand me. A demon is a con man. Did you hear me? That every demon is a con man. That goes around trying to con people. For he wants your body and he wants to take sap your energy. He has to feed upon people yes. to survive. So he is told by the devil that he's giving them a kingdom down here. 
And the only hindrance to the devil's kingdom is the people of God. I wonder if you are really with me. Amen. Amen. Now, you resist the devil and he flees from you. Amen. If a person is in such a condition that he can't help himself, then you can go down and cast the devil out of him. And without ministration, without giving him the word of God, it's no use. He's got to accept light and darkness will flee away. Anyhow, I'm not going to dwell on that. But this scripture says that the pestilence that walketh in darkness, you mustn't be afraid of them. Thou shalt not be afraid of the pestilence that walketh in darkness. Neither for the destruction that wasted at noonday. If you hear about the tribulation coming, and you hear about a destruction coming anywhere in the United States, in Europe, any part of the world, God said, it shall come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the face of the earth. Don't be afraid, God said. Amen. So now, we can talk about destruction and it won't bother you. Amen. Praise God. Let's turn to Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. You know, Brother Terlizzi was telling me a story today of a man who wanted to uh, use his gun on him to shoot him. And when the man put his hand upon his pearl-handled gun, praise God, the word of his mouth came forth and rebuked the man. The judgment of God be on you. And the man stiffened. And he came out stiff. Out he shuffled. His hand never pulled that gun. And he never recovered. Amen. We have got to have faith in our Father God. We must begin to remember that God promised. And no matter what is facing you, just say now God. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Quick, 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 God, quick, God. No, sir. Just tell him you just believe him. Let him do it in his own way. It won't come to pass, the device of the wicked. Though an host shall encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war shall rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. Yeah. Hallelujah. In the secret of his tabernacle. Where? This is the secret of his tabernacle. There is a secret there. He shall set me up upon a rock. Now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. There's a little song which says, Anyone can sing when the sun shines bright. But Jesus put a song in my heart at night. Amen. Amen. Blessed are those of you who sing when it's night. When things get dark, when things get bad, sing a song, a praise. Don't just sing when it's sunshine but sing at night. Praise God. Now, let's get down a little bit further into this. We're going very slowly tonight, but this seems to be the way the Lord wants it to go. When the priest stands before this place here, before he can stand there, the clouds from the altar of incense and from his waving censer that he waves before God must form a cloud and cover the mercy seat before he offers his sacrifice to God. The fifth work of grace which is the mercy, the, the uh, altar of incense is the symbol of the burning of your soul. Come on now. The fifth work, which is called the altar of incense, is the symbol of the burning and the offering of your soul before God as a sacrifice. Amen. Now, how many of you have offered your soul back to God after having been cleansed, after having been given ministry gifts, after having been given gifts of the Spirit, after being made somebody now by Jesus Christ? How many of us have offered back this soul nature to God and refuse to use it even though we have the power to use it to do good we're not doing evil now but how many of us have offered back this soul nature to God hallelujah and see God burn it up and use it up and don't use it in the way we wanted him to use it glory to God mighty gift of the spirit we want to see God using our gift 
Oh, God gave me such a mighty gift and then God, uh, you know. You go out and seek places where you can get to use your gifts. And the other man goes out and seek a place where he can use his preaching. And he puts himself in a good position where he can get many people to preach to them. And the other man chooses for himself the fattest place upon the, 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 the population where he can get the most people to speak to for the Lord. And he becomes a mighty minister. His crowds are always large. His advertisements are great. The radio and the television he uses. He uses the newspaper and every means that is carnal to advertise his meetings. Glory to God Almighty. And when he goes there, he uses God. He uses God upon the people. And he blesses many people. But he never inquired whether this was God's perfect will for him or not. Brother and sister, our only hope in getting into the place where God wants us to be is being in the center of God's will. And that's the only place where there is safety. I'm coming nearer to it. You see that? Look now. God says to you, get out of this building. He says, go down the street. You don't know what he's sending you down for, but the building is comfortable. You are pretty comfortable here. And you said, well, God, I could serve you as well here as there. And so you stay. But God was sending you out of the building because the building was going to be blown up. But you decided to stay. So God can't protect you because you are living in self-will and disobedience. Amen. I'm going to prove this point to you tonight and then I close. But this point is going to be well proven from the word of God. This one point I'm going to prove to you. That God's center of God's will is the hiding place. And this is the secret that is in the tabernacle. For when this priest has offered up his soul nature in type before God. It takes a little concentration to stay with me brethren. Sometimes it takes more than at other times. And this is one of the reasons I draw on the board sometimes to get your attention. Amen. The soul nature is this cloud. This cloud is your soul nature. Because the offering of your soul is a type of the offering of Isaac. And the Isaac that you have is your soul nature. You love your own way of thinking, your mind. You love your own emotions. You love your own desires and you love your own will. Your, your, your nature, your soul nature, has four parts. Your mind, 
God wants your mind to go up in smoke. Your emotion, God doesn't want your emotion. They can't bring forth righteousness. If we stay here and get into a frenzy and we dance all night, we get up and we go out and our soul nature is not changed by the dancing. We are blessed. We are made, I mean, light in our spirits. But our soul nature remains the same. Hallelujah. That's why the churches that dance all night, they go out and they sing. And they have a cycle of sin. Righteousness, sin, come back, repent, sin again, and go on. This is my experience in the, the Pentecostal church where I preached for so many years. For 20 years, I've been a minister in the Pentecostal church. Cheers. Around. So I know what Pentecostal people give. They dance all night and sin all day. And they fall into sin as much as anybody else. And I couldn't find out why. When I took the case to God, God showed me why. They have the Holy Ghost. They receive the Holy Ghost. But they don't follow the Holy Ghost. And the only way you get out of your sin is to follow the Holy Ghost. Not only possess the Spirit, but let the Spirit possess you. Hallelujah. So therefore your mind and your emotions is what God is telling you to send up in smoke. Your desires must go up in smoke, must go give way to God's desires. Your will is unacceptable to God. This is the soul nature that the priest is burning up before God. And until that operation is complete, you are not in a safe position with God. Because God must have you pliable that he can move you and change and shift and order you here and there. And that's your safety. Now, I said I was going to prove that. Let's turn our Bibles to Ezekiel. Chapter 9. Ezekiel chapter 9. He cried also in mine ears with a loud voice and caused them that have charge over the city to draw near every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lied towards the north, and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. And one man among them was clothed with linen with a righteous inkhorn by his side, and they went in and stood before the brazen altar. Now the brazen altar is in the outer court. The brazen altar, that's the first place where sinners come in and they are changed uh, by fire there. Now, and the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub whereupon he was to the threshold of the house. And he called, uh, 
And he called to the man clothed with linen, which had the writer's ink on by his side. The glory of God left here. This is the glory, the Shekinah glory, coming forth from between the cherubim, left the Holy of Holies, and went into the outer court. And the Lord had said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abomination that be done in the midst thereof. And to the others he said, In my hearing, Go ye after him through the city, smite, let not your eyes spare, neither have ye pity. Both deliverance and destruction were going together. Deliverance was going first and destruction was coming after. Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men which were before the house. Now, what then is God saying that is going to save the people from destruction? A mark. A mark where? Where is this mark? Did you read it? On where? Their foreheads. Now, what, is the, what the, does the forehead represent? The mind or the soul so it is on the mind that God is going to put this mark which is going to save his people now we're coming to it don't get excited let's go on to Revelation chapter 7 Revelation chapter 7 and verse 1 to 4. Or to 3. And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from where? From the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, Till we have sealed the servants of God where? In their forehead. Now, let's have it again. We see here four angels holding four destructive winds to throw it upon the earth and to destroy mankind. Angel, brethren, means messenger. And many places in your Bible, angel messengers are not speaking about 
spirit messengers, it is speaking about human messengers. And these four angels, incidentally, were the human agents of destruction. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. The human agents of destruction. The mind of Satan, the desires of the world, the will of the devil, the emotions of sin. They are today the mighty minds of the scientists. What are they doing? They are building destruction. Every scientific invention that they bring forth that is of any great um, uh, proportion is an invention of destruction. The atom bomb is an invention of destruction. It can be used to produce electricity. And yet how slow is the electrical part of it going and the good part of the atom going? It would take probably a hundred years before they use the atom for good. Why? Because they are concentrating on using the atom to wipe out their enemies. That's the mind of man. Angel of destruction. I won't go further with it because we could go far with it. Now, he said, don't blow on the earth nor on the sea, nor on any tree. What is the earth? The earth means carnal man. The sea means the nation. For God said nation shall rise against nation. And whole nations will face Annihilation and destruction. The nations. And what are the trees? The Christians. So this, this angel that was rising up. Do you notice that the angel wasn't coming down from heaven? The Bible said he was ascending. He was coming up from the earth. From the east. Meaning to say from the mind of Christ. Where the sun rises. Where the light comes from. He was coming out of God's light. The mind of Christ was rising up in a ministry in the earth. Are you with me still? Amen. If you give me, if you give me the meeting when it's late, I will go on later. For I have. To give forth what I have to give forth. What you come here to get. If I send you home half baked, You won't get anything. So. If the meeting is stiff. And binding. Then I will go on. Till I break through. And get the satisfaction in my soul. So sometimes. Battle takes longer than other times. <laughs> so you've got to just bear with me. And don't sleep because you wouldn't sleep if you were watching the television. Oh, God bless you. Four angels of destruction. Fifth angel is the ministry of life. 
the fivefold ministry that God is raising up in the earth to counteract, to save. And what did he say? He said, don't hurt the earth. Don't hurt, hurt the sea. Don't hurt the trees. Till what? We. How could one person call himself we? This angel is a many-membered angel. Many people forming a ministry. This angel is the ministry that God is raising up in the earth to give the people the word that will seal them in this hour. Till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. You are to receive the mind of Christ. God says in the fourth chapter of Ephesians, he said, starting from verse 11 coming down, he said, he has appointed apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors, pastors and teachers for what? edifying of the church and perfecting of the saints until when we all come to what unity of the faith into one perfect man have we yet come have we yet come listen brethren this is a sign believe you me a sign in Stockton that the nearer you come to that perfection which you are talking about is the more the true saints of God will join together. Your brother doesn't have to believe what you believe in order to join with him in holy, holy, holy worship of your God. You know why? Listen to this word. God said, if you walk in the light, if you walk in the light, brother, if you walk in the light, brother, as he is in the light, you, you will have fellowship with you. And then what happened after you have fellowship in the light? The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanse you. Amen. Oh, glory to God. It does not matter how unclean I am. If I begin to walk in the light, I am going to get cleansed. Hallelujah. Are you not afraid that they are having ecumenism and you cannot be a part of their ecumenism? Are you not somewhat excited, <laughs> frightened, or having some other emotions to what you see going on in your time when Rome is gathering her daughters to herself? What are you doing? Brother, I expect to see every true Christian in this town come together and realize that our only safety is in moving in the light. Yes. 
anytime a point up there is Jesus and I'm coming from away out there and you are away over there and you are away over there but we are all getting to the same point the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus brother when we get nearer to Jesus we get nearer to our brothers who are getting nearer to Jesus glory to God this angel God's talking about is a ministry that will not recognize denominational barriers that will not recognize church barriers which Babylon has set so firmly in our minds that we feel that we must fight against the other church down the street those brethren want to be taught that you and them are one and that there is no two organization in Jesus Christ I don't believe in organization and I don't believe in two organizations let me put it another way I believe God has organized his church I believe if we move in the spirit we are going to be one we are going to move together that my money will be your money that you can't be suffering down here and I'm living in a paradise I have a million dollars in the bank storing up more and more and more collecting more offering and storing it in the bank and another little church down the street wants the money and they have to be uh, praying and God has to send people from away out yonder to help them and I am here with money in the bank that is sin sin, sin. I'm not even saved James James said, you're not even saved if you see your brother have need and don't give him. Moreover, I'm saying this, that if I am in Jesus Christ, and this brother here is in Jesus Christ, we are going to act and move in one, whether we planned it or not. The thing is already planned, and we are going to move in one. Brother, if we don't move in one, you know what's going to happen? God is begging us now to move in one of our own free will. Because in a very short time, the beast and the antichrist and the world council of churches is going to make you move in one. You're going to run, hallelujah, run down the street seeking out your brother. You knew long ago that he was your brother. Let me tell you something. I've heard of some laws being formed that's really going to set us, just going to keep pushing us together till we have to find the safety of one another in Jesus Christ. So those who despise the brethren, those who do not discern the body of Jesus Christ, are going to fall prey to the enemy. I wonder if you hear me. My Lord, I'm hearing myself too. We are one, and the quicker we find how much one we are, the better it is for us. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 We should not have two, three, four, five, twenty organizations claiming that they're following Jesus in this town. All the people who are following Jesus should be one. Otherwise, we are lying. We're not following Jesus. We are following self. We are following a bishop that doesn't live in this town. We are following a big headquarters organization 
that send into us and tell us what to do and tell us how to cut out the other brother over there. The local church should have his own autonomy in the Lord Jesus Christ. There should be no outside bishop. God will send other people from outside to bless the local churches. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, what I see is wonderful, but I just wonder if you see it. All your power, brother. All your power is being wasted. Look here. If this brother takes a piece of cord and ties it around his ankle, that foot gets dead and he'll soon lose that foot. And this is what is happening to us. The church is all tied on parts. Every man catch a little piece, he ties it off. This piece is mine. Tie off a toe. This toe is mine. He said, this, this foot is mine. This nose is mine. And we drop to pieces. No circulation. That's why Jesus said, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood will circulate. Set us free. Little man trying to build church. He can't build any church. He's struggling, struggling. Another one struggling over there. Another one struggling over there. You know why? Because everybody has a little piece of the body of Christ. Trying to turn it into a hole. When a foot can never turn a head. And they're not submitting to the head Jesus. Let me tell you something. Anything that has more than one head is a monster. We just read in the Bible something about a dragon. Did any of you ever think that there is no natural animal named dragon? And the Bible mentions so often about a dragon. The dragon is the devil with many heads. The dragon is an animal, a legendary animal with seven heads. And this is the animal we see down in Revelation. When Satan got his head well bruised and smashed up at Calvary. And Satan got his wound healed by the human intervention. Humanity gave him headship. The Bible said and they gave their power and their seat and their authority to the beast. Sheba. Brethren. We are not going to create a monster, a dragon. Glory! We are going to walk in the light. And at present, God has been telling me that he's trying to get his people to do his will without having to force them. But the pressure is going to turn on to you. And you're going to run to seek your brother and to find him. I pray to God we might see the vision before it is too late. Mark in the forehead. There is a ministry 
that has a word that will seal the people of God in their foreheads. That will bring you to understand that you need the mind of Christ. When you have the mind of Christ, the first thing happens to you, you begin to recognize your brother. Brethren, I am going to stay here for a little while on this point. Do you ever realize that you could walk down the street and recognize your brother in a bar drinking himself to death? If you have the mind of Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ walking along the street. He saw a harlot. And a harlot in Israel had to be real out and out harlot because the, most of the people were against her. And he saw this harlot and he knew that that harlot was a son of God. He looked beyond her harlotry and he saw the Son of God and the glory of Jesus Christ in her. Hallelujah. Amen. He went by the well of Sychar and he saw a woman and he knew the woman was part of him, part of his body, part of his life. Nobody loved Jesus more than Mary Magdalene. The woman at the well, she saw a man. For the first in her life, she saw him and he saw her. She didn't see a harlot. He didn't see a bad woman. He brushed that aside. He had other eyes to see the gold though covered with filth and muck and mire. I want you to begin to see out of Jesus' eyes. Go down the street. You see a bad boy. And you see hope in him. You see Jesus in him. Nobody trusts him but you trust him. You bring him to the Lord. I want the people of God to know that the body of Christ is not sitting down in pews. That the body of Christ is not necessarily in this group or in that group. But they can be anywhere. Oh, glory to God. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty 30 says for this cause. Some of you are weak and sickly and some even die because you do not deserve, you do not see, you do not recognize the body of Jesus Christ. Oh, glory to God. Why? Many of us are respecters of persons. Many of us are respecters of persons. I respect a man when he loves Jesus Christ and he does God will 
And as a man start failing God, I start losing respect for him. Regardless of how great he is and how everybody bows to him. And the crowd just follow him on the street. I don't care much about him. Because he has betrayed Jesus for a morsel. 30 pieces of silver. Do you realize how many of our preachers are selling out Jesus Christ for less than 30 pieces of silver? I'm not through with you, brethren. Just forgive me. Not through with you. Hold on. Amen. Revelation 14. I'll soon let you loose. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him an hundred and forty and four thousand, having his name and his father's name written in their foreheads. What did they have? The nature of God was written on their minds and in their souls. The nature of God was written on their minds and in their souls. <laughs> Glory to God in the heart. Jeremiah 31. This is a promise. I'll read it for you. Thirty-one, thirty-one. Behold, the days come, said the Lord, that I will make a new covenant to the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Although I was an husband unto them, said the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, said the Lord, I will put my law in their parts and write in their, it in their hearts and will be their God, and they shall be my people. Oh, glory to God. God is making a mark in your inward parts. And this is the overshadowing. This is your deliverance. Brethren, when men get frightened, when men get afraid, when things begin to happen to their crops, and down here and men are fleeing and running and getting fear when preachers come and preach to you you must get out of stocks and run or else you are lost you will be able to hold your ground if you have the mind of Christ none shall make you afraid None shall make you afraid. You will dwell in the will of your God. And if your God doesn't tell you, if when the preacher speaks, the Christ in you doesn't tell you, and if something in you tells you to run, and you look at it with your own natural eyes, and you see that it is fear, don't run. For God doesn't bring fear on his people. Hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. 
thou shalt not be afraid. I want you, brethren, to begin to offer your souls to God. Offer God your goodness. Remember one time we gave him our badness? You remember? When we came to Jesus, we had nothing to give him but our sins. And we lay our sins down at Calvary. We said, take it, Lord. He took it. Then he began to give us things. He led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. He began to give us things. Now take those things that God gave you and turn it back to him. And when you go into the quietness of your bedroom or wherever you sleep, when the lights are out, begin to tell God, I want to give you all the goodness you've given me. The gift of healing, gift of so-and-so I, I want you to use them from today onward you give me a good voice to sing don't let me sing when I just want to sing to satisfy my own ego to show how much you know I have but I want you to use it God anoint it that you can use it and use it when you're ready and brethren not because I'm a preacher I must preach but when God don't want me to preach, let me be silent. Let me be silent that I might lay back the golden crown before the Lord God that he might use it. And when God rise up and begin to use it, I know that I know that I know. Hallelujah. That this, I mean the perfect will of God. Have you got a spiritual ambition? What is your spiritual ambition? My spiritual ambition is that I would rather die than not to be, remain in the perfect will of God. Hallelujah! The will of God, the center of the will of God is not a place that people get into and relax in an armchair and say, I've got it made. It's something that you have got to diligently seek out every morning and every evening. You've got to check on yourself. Am I in the will of God? Is this what God wants me to do? Because you will slip out and don't know. When brother Samson was outside, he thought he was in. The Bible said he wished not that God had departed from him. God had gone one way and he was treading his merry way the other way and he didn't know hey man do you know do you know you have to be diligent yeah. keep diligently diligently seeking and holding your checking your course that you might remain in the perfect will of God praise God well, at least I've given you half of the message. God bless you in Jesus' name. This is the end of message, M054. The Overshadowing.